Good morning, everybody. Happy Blame the Press for your own tax catastrophes day. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by The Mirror's editor, Alison Phillips. Good morning, Alison. Good morning, Susie. How are you? Fine, thank you. Alison's in the office, everybody. That's not her, her back bedroom with a mess. Yeah, a big mirror, mirror sign. <laughs> Although maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe we'll get to see you there one day, we'll find out. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments. Whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we can pick them up. Uh, join in, take part. We will get the best ones up on screen. So if you think that you are an unnoticed wit, which most people on social media seem to, uh, this is your chance to hit the big time. Uh, we'll try and answer your questions for you. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to fire someone who should have been fired ages ago instead. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the fact that after just over 100 days in office, Rishi Sunak is up to his neck in so much sleaze, there's literally no time to discuss what he's actually doing in government. Yesterday, he finally did what everyone knew he'd have to ages ago and fired Nadim Zahawi as chairman of the Conservative Party after an internal ethics inquiry found out that, yes, turns out, not paying the proper tax, shuffling all your shares offshore to Gibraltar and then being told to cough up a huge fine by the tax man is in fact wrong. Alison, what strikes me here is that Rishi wanted to follow due process, tick all the, his boxes on the, the fire the Tory chairman spreadsheet, but he seems to lack any of the, the political or the awareness or nous that should have told him for his own sake and that of the party he needed to go last week. He really did, and also for the, for the sake of the country, because I think um, the whole country's been looking at this story for about a fortnight now with some um, level of depth, and we should really have been discussing things like the fact that People can't get an ambulance to take them to hospital or the cost of living crisis. But this has sort of sort of sucked all the oxygen out of all the national conversation. Um, and this is like a, this is the, the worst possible scenario for uh, Richard Sunak in that he's lost his Conservative Party chairman, as we knew he would. Um, but but this was always going to happen. So now all that's happened is that he looks weak because he didn't deal with it a fortnight ago when any any other person would have said, call him in, say to him, did you have to pay a fine on your tax? Were you straight about it last summer when you first being asked questions about it? The two answers to that would have then instantly meant that he had to stand down then, other than going through this palaver of an inquiry. And now mm. he's had to get rid of him. And so for Sunak himself, it has made him look weak, which is because he did come in and he said it was all going to be about professionalism, accountability and integrity. It's destroyed that as well, even though I'm sure that that was what he wanted those things don't happen by accident. You only get integrity and accountability and professionalism if you make really hard decisions at the right moment. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, it's really weird, I suppose, in a way. I mean, he's got he's got his party behind him. He's his whole point, the whole reason for him to be there is that he is not as morally squalid as Boris Johnson. Yeah. Or is quite as much of an economic lunatic as Liz Truss. And all he has to do when he's faced with a moral quandary is act decisively. And that's it. Um, but he seems to be so weak or uncertain that he, he doesn't, he just isn't able to exert that. Discipline. But I do think he probably thought, oh, I need to go through this due process. But regardless of all of that, um, Nadine Zahawi had made him look, him personally look ridiculous. And that he'd been on Minister questions um, the week before last and said, look, there's nothing going on here. And then the following week, then he find, then he himself finds out he paid a, um, Zahavi paid a fine. So Zahavi have made Sunak look stupid for that reason mm -hmm. alone. If you're the boss, 
you're going to say to him, look, you've made me look an absolute idiot in front of the whole country. It clearly stinks. You're going to have to go. But exactly. it was like he didn't have the courage to do that unless he had a bit of paper that was signed by a, an independent person saying, yeah, no, don't worry, you can do that now. He just yeah. didn't have the gumption to do it himself. And we saw Zahawi there with Boris Johnson. It's exactly the kind of thing that Boris Johnson did when his ministers had problems. He just held on to them. He didn't want to fire anyone. But that was because he saw that whatever anyone else did wrong, literally there was nothing wrong in Boris Johnson's I mean, you've got to remember Zahawi was very much, you know, in that Boris camp, wasn't he? I mean, remember, he was the one that wrote that piece for the, um, was it the Telegraph, on the the night that he thought that Boris was going to um, go through with standing to come PM this time. And then he pulled out the last minute. So, you know, they're, they're sort of all cut from that same cloth. But all the more reason why Sunak needs to distance himself for them if he really does want to show these different. And, you know, he's got these five pledges for the year ahead. He should be absolutely ruthless in, like, jettisoning anybody who's preventing him from speaking about them five pledges. Exactly. And I don't even know what the five pledges are, and I pay attention. So that's how, that's how bad it is. But then we've got... We've got um, you know, the whole Dominic Raab thing is still bubbling under it. And that's going to burst onto the to the surface. And I mean, it, it, that sounds terrible, the, the bullying allegations against Dominic Raab. Exactly. So these are some of the other things we've got, the sleaze that's now hanging around. As Leslie says there, Carol Vorderman has made some claims about Rishi having being involved in some insider trading in his previous job. We've got Dominic Raab, who's the Deputy Prime Minister, who was appointed despite the fact that he goes on holiday to places where the beach is shut and lets people in Afghanistan absolutely cark it. Um, they, he was being investigated over eight bullying claims, which over the weekend we've been told may actually be now 24. Mm. Um, and we've had, uh, you know, poor Rishi must be thinking that, oh, God, I wish I, all I'd done wrong was wear, not wear a seatbelt. We've had Gavin Williamson resign over bullying claims. We've got Suella Bravman reappointed as Home Secretary six days after she had to resign as Home Secretary because she national security breach. And then he's had these two fixed penalty notices as well. And now, as Leslie says, there's talk about insider training trading alan says so sunak is showing his strength is he so what day does braverman get sacked then there are quite a few alison that if you wanted to clean out those stables you would need quite a big broom to get them all out you would and you know and i guess the main reason he's not doing it is he's scared of what the fallout might be i mean apparently there are concerns that um zahawi may yet come back um because he feels that he's been very badly treated and that he didn't have an opportunity to defend himself properly. And he's going to start dishing the dirt on Sunak. So, so obviously Sunak's sort of on this tightrope because he doesn't want to upset people too much because he's fighting that they're going to root, I don't know, back with Boris Johnson, whoever, and topple him. So how can, to that point, how can the country be held to ransom by this little group of people with their sort of morally questionable behaviour um, that are too worried about upsetting each other to actually clean up the operation. Exactly. I mean, how can how can Zahawi claim he didn't get a chance to defend himself when he had a year of journalists going after him, yeah. a year of firing illegal letters at them, spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds on big name law firms yeah. trying to shut everything down, calling it smears. Um, I mean, I, I did think that was the most repellent thing about his letter yesterday. And so at no point does he apologise for his 
And this isn't this isn't the press saying that he's done something wrong with this one. This is an independent advisor who's found seven breaches of the ministerial code. So seven times he could have held his hand up and told the whole story, but he didn't. So that's not the press. That's an independent person that's come up with that. And yet in his letter, there's no apology for it. All there is 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 one like little attack on the press when he was the one, as you say, that was instructing lawyers to shut down legitimate inquiry into what was going on. And we're seeing, aren't we seeing way too much of this now of very rich individuals using their wealth to silence investigations into, into things that the public has a right to know. Because we're, we pay their wages. They work for us. Therefore, they have to tell us what's going on. And this idea that they shouldn't, you know, we're all sort of a slight inconvenience. They don't want to talk to us. It's just not good enough. Oh, it's disgusting. And when you think about the fact, not only do we pay their wages, but they say that no one's paying enough tax to to, to pay us more, for yeah. goodness sake. Yeah. Who's not paying the tax, Nadine? Yeah. Rishi. Yeah. Mrs. Rishi. Right then, there's the problem, isn't it? Um, but now, you know, this, it, I think it's to do with nous and it's to do with self-awareness and actually caring how it looks. So I, I think Rishi probably, maybe because he never had any working class friends as a boy, he doesn't know how bad this looks and how we could all predict last week Nadim's going Rishi's going to look bad if he doesn't do it himself my only thing about Rishi and I've never met the guys I've literally got no idea but my gut feeling is is it a lack of confidence you know when you're in a job and you feel like you're slightly out of your depth (laughs) you don't want to upset too many people because you're just not quite sure what to do it feels a bit like that to me that he's just not quite sure what to do and so he's doing nothing I don't think someone who's been through Winchester has made yeah, hundreds of millions of pounds and is married to the daughter of a billionaire and then decides he ought to run the country really lacks confidence. No, you're probably right. Yes. I, I think I think he lacks awareness. Mm. I think he wants to say, well, I'll do the right thing now, so I'm going to follow the um, the personnel protocol for firing this person. Yeah. And it's, nah, it's politics. It Actually, it's how you look that is, is about yeah. to get. And you can still yeah. go through that process, but be much tougher at the start and be clearer at the start because you know mm. where it's going to end up. Um, now, Mike says, I imagine most of those non-UK born refugees from violence who arrive here on small boats won't be trying to avoid paying their UK tax when they get here and make a life for themselves. Um, Nadim Zahawi was praised by Rishi Sunak in his letter as a child of Kurdish refugees for having done so well. Amazingly, I think another child of Kurdish refugees uh, who didn't pay his tax would probably be on the first plane to Rwanda. Leslie says they're also telling us we don't know how to budget when, in fact, they're restricting our spending power by not reining in the profiteering. Right, right, Leslie. Um, Keep asking your questions, everybody. Now, the letters between the two of them are just extraordinary because normally when you have these firing and resignation letters, they say, thank you so much for working for me. It's been absolutely marvellous. You did so well. And the other person goes, oh, thank you. So let me work for you. Um, I really enjoyed it. And we did do so well together, didn't we? Even if they hate each other's guts. But this one, Rishi wrote a letter making it quite clear to Zahawi had acted unethically and he'd been fired. And Zahawi just wrote back saying uh, that he was great. Everything he did was great. And it's just the press that were the problem. Uh, Not a single bit of regret or I'm sorry that I dragged you into this or I hope that, you know, we can the Tory party will probably do better without me as chairman or anything like that. No self-awareness, which is, I suspect, why he made some of these cock-ups in the first place. Now, it's worth pointing out, right, when you get a government job, you have to fill in a form about your declaration of interest. And there is a box on this form that says, are you under investigation by the HMRC? And now Nadim Zahawi had three government jobs and 
while this was all ongoing. And each time he had to fill in a form and each time he said, no, not applicable. No, no problem here. So while he was being investigated, while he was being questioned in person by the taxman, while he was negotiating a settlement with the taxman, and after he had settled with the taxman and paid that bill, he said, no, no, no. Which and all it does, all it does do is just say to the rest of the country that the normal rules do not apply to them. So the rest of us, I mean, this week, this today, tomorrow, all every, so many self-employed people are going to be busy trying to fill in their tax returns before the end of the, the deadline, um, and worrying about it, thinking, "Oh, have I have I done this correctly? Have I filled in that bit correctly? Because otherwise, I'll be in all sorts of trouble." Whereas they they've blindly gone through doing whatever they like on their tax returns without any concern that the normal rules apply to them. It's it is. I got a letter from the tax man last week saying, you know, you've got to pay your tax, don't you, Mrs. Self-Assessment? And I said, oh, yeah, no, the accountant had sent me that a couple of months ago and I completely forgot to do I it. did wonder yesterday whether that was one reason why they'd asked for this to get wrapped up really quickly. Because I did wonder if they hadn't finished it before the end of the month, all those people that didn't get their um, tax returns in before the end of January, would they legitimately be able to say, well, I, you know, the former chance of the exchequer, he hasn't he hasn't bothered to do his properly. Why am I going to bother to do mine? And well, there's a that's, there's that's where one falls down, isn't it? There's a penalty for late filing, so that's that's not about yeah. a carelessness penalty by the taxman. You have to pay that flat if you don't file by the end of January. I think it's two hundred quid or something, because I've never done it, so I don't know. I think it's about two three hundred quid, and you pay that penalty just as a flat if you don't get it in on time. Yeah. Then if it's not right, then they come back to you and say, well, yeah. this is intentional or carelessness or what mm. it's, it's not easily avoidable um jan jarvis says why can't we push for a vote of no confidence in this government and have a general election how much longer do we have to put up with this corruption the answer to your question jan bearing in mind <laughs> about 100 days into she's mm. of office is about another 300 days before he has to call another general election uh, which has to i think the latest it can happen is january 2024 so I mean, the He's a quarter of the way through, which is a significant chunk. You know, you need to be turning the tide, certainly by halfway, don't you? So, you know, he's going to run out of time very swiftly. Well, this is the question. Is he going to make it that far? Or, yeah, I think and so. how much worse can it get? Um, I think he'll continue because, I mean, unless the Conservative Party is absolutely determined to destroy itself. I can't see why they would go through another process of, of appointing a new leader. I know Boris Johnson wants to come back, but surely that feels too soon. Surely to any right-minded person. And I just think there are so... I know there are lots and lots of people who love Boris Johnson for whatever reason, but there are a significant number of people in this country who just think he's a chancer. And he's, he might be entertaining on the telly or writing a newspaper column, but do we really want him as our Prime Minister? Yeah, last time I heard anyway, he can't afford to be Prime Minister. No. He's got to go. John says, there's all crooks. They're all crooks. It's like chipping at a mountain with a toffee hammer. What a marvellous picture you've created for us, John. Elaine says, yeah, another leader. It'll be a general election for sure. I think if they tried to do it again, Elaine, impose another leader on us, there would actually be people out on the streets. Yeah. And it would probably be the grannies going, we've had enough. Yeah. And Rod Stewart would be there at the front leading exactly. in the charge. Now, we've got to move on to another question, another story, but keep asking us your questions. What do you think about Rishi's chances for the next 300 days? Do you think he's going to make it through to the beginning of 2024? <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't, they're not even at work for some of that. So maybe they can make it through. 
But to our second story, and there is a survey on page two of the mirror from the National Association of Head Teachers, which uh, is calling a strike, incidentally. And it says that one in five head teachers leave within five years of being appointed to the job. Now, Alison, these are people who are in many cases with academies and so on. They're effectively running a small corporation. Um, some of them are on six figure salaries. They're getting paid very well. Um, and some people would have you believe that head teachers only work six hours a day for about eight months of the year. So, you know, why are they all running out, do you think? Uh, I mean, I think anybody who knows anyone who works in teaching at the moment will tell you what how horrendous it has become in that um, in that they're just the, the shortage of uh, staff means that they're constantly trying to cover classes. Um, I think that the catch up program following COVID trying to get children um, back on course and um, the pressures that are now in um, teaching that weren't there, you know, wasn't there when I went to school. Um, it is incredibly stressful job, I think, for all teachers. And like you say, and, and then head teachers, they're running a they're running a not significant the big a fairly significant size business mm-hmm. you know that is a that is a tough old job and I mean if one in six are quitting and the real shame about, about that is is however hard you try to recruit more people you're not going to get it at, at that same speed and also you're going to lose all that experience and wisdom that is so vital when you're the um, head of a school it's those years of experience that know that you know how to deal when um, there's things you know that are really tricky and I think when you talk to teachers and head teachers, well, they're now dealing with so many emotional issues that um, a lot of young people have. Um, it's not just, you know, the reading and the writing and all of that. It's it's all the other stuff that comes with, you know, quite often dealing with up to a thousand young people with all their associated issues. Um, we've got to take a really serious look at it. And a friend of mine who's um, a teacher and is striking this week, I mean, she was saying that, you know, she's obviously devastated that um, she's going to have a day where she's not, you know, there for the kids. But she says that, you know, the reality is that kids are going with, like, not without proper teachers quite frequently in lessons now because the lesson's been covered by, you know, somebody that's passing through or a teaching assistant because they haven't got enough maths teachers, physics teachers, they haven't mm-hmm. got enough books, they can't send them on trips. Um, and it's this constant sort of chipping away at what they're trying to give to kids, which is really demoralising. Yeah, and of course, some, well, some points during the pandemic as well, right at the start, when they wanted to reopen the schools again, they demanded that schools out of their existing budgets pay for all the extra uh, COVID protections they needed. So screens, uh, extra cleaning, all that yeah. loads of extra ventilation, all had to come out of existing budgets. The government did not give them no. extra cash to pay for that. And you saw the pay increases as well. So, you know, I think pay increases have got to come out of school budgets as well. Mm-hmm. So if they're paying teachers more... That means that there are other um, things that the children need, like a new roof on a classroom or a mini bus so they can go on a trip to somewhere. All the stuff that is vital because school is, yeah, obviously it's about learning, but it's about creating people who are going to be good functioning adults for the future. And you're not going to, you can't do things like that on the cheap where you're constantly chipping away. No. And I know in lots of schools, if you talk to, you know, any kids, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, we've dropped this subject at our school or that subject at our school because they can't recruit teachers into those. So the whole curriculum is getting chipped away at as well. Yeah, I remember talking to a friend of mine who's a used to be a correspondent, education correspondent for the BBC. I'm talking about sort of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, not Ofcom. What is it? for Ofsted. Ofsted okay, yeah. uh, reports for schools and so on. She said they're completely... So what they really depend on more than anything else is whether the head teacher's just left. 
Yeah. If the teacher comes and goes, then the school doesn't have the stability in that to, yeah. to make a decent off And it's literally that's what it comes down to. Um, and if you've got a good head teacher, then your school's going to be good. So yeah. if they're going, if they've got a high churn rate in head teachers, you're going to have a high churn rate in the schools. The offices aren't going to be as good. And the teaching isn't going to be as good because they don't have the leadership. But there's such a shortage of head teachers at the moment. I think that when schools are recruiting for new head teachers, they're really struggling to get people to even apply for the jobs. So, you know, because people do not want that level of responsibility because there's there's so much goes with it. Um, and I just don't. And I think because people often go to teaching because they want to make a real difference, they want to change the future for their kids. And if they feel they can't do that, they're thinking, well, what is the point? Yeah, exactly. Now, we're going to have um, a little wrap of questions at the end, everybody. So what do you think about the head teachers uh, going out on strike? What do you think about the teachers going out on strike? Do you think they ought to? Do you think that they're they're taking a risk with children's education after a couple of years? It's already been quite heavily disrupted. Get in the comments and let us know. And what do you think about Rishi and how he's going? Is he just you know stuck with the legacy of of the moral squalor of boris boris johnson and there's there's little anybody could do in that situation poor rishi or do you think that this is something that he could have done better and moved faster and been a bit more decisive on i think personally he'd have gone up in the polls a bit if he just fired a few people on day one but that's just me i'm a bit more gung-ho about these things perhaps <laughs> a former goldman sachs lawyer is uh, i would have expected so much better from somebody who was the yeah. same choice to lose trust um Right, but first off, uh, we have found, we have a wrap up of questions at the end. But first off, we have found some good news in the world, uh, and here it is. Now, this extremely handsome chap uh, who has a tendency to take his clothes off and model swimwear, which is a very nice tendency, um, is called Jamie Clark. He's thirty two years old. He is a new contestant on uh, SAS Who Dares Wins, and for the first time, he is going to be their first profoundly deaf contestant now uh, he was born that way he tried cochlear implants as a child but he found the sounds just too overwhelming to cope with so he goes through life lip reading and of course that's quite difficult when you're trying to crawl through a tunnel uh, on your belly with a camera in your face it's quite difficult when you're on a uh, night post night sentry duty in the vietnamese jungle for a reality show and there are snakes coming at you but uh, that's apparently what he did uh, which is going to be quite fascinating to watch. Um, I don't know how he managed to read snakes, but he seems to have managed it. And Alison, I'm I'm full of admiration for this guy that he's even put himself forward for it because it must have been extra tough for him compared to some of the others. But do you think this is proof that it really is true that who dares wins? Absolutely. I, I love uh, SAS Who Dares Wins. It's one of my favourite programmes. But it is really brutal. You sort of see those people doing those awful, and then we're getting screamed and shouted at by the instructors. And I think he says in this article that um, if you've any doubt about how difficult it is, try watching it with the sound turned sound turned down, and see if you can understand what the instructors are doing when they're screaming and shouting at you. Um, but you know, you know, what an amazing achievement! And also, he plays football, I think, at a really high level. There's been in the Death Olympics, and um, and the idea that he'll he refuses to be. Um, caged in by by his deafness and that he just wants to do whatever he can it's a, it's a great story yeah and he's even just you know haven't been offered something that could fix it he just goes actually no that's a bit too much i'd rather carry on as i am and find my way through it i think it's i think as well with people like rose who won strictly and now you've got jamie on SES, it's going to really raise the um awareness of what deaf people are capable of and that it's not you know 
just being locked away in a cage, like you say. Now, Mike says, it's reported that some of his fans think Boris Johnson would make an ideal replacement for the disgraced former chairman, Nadim, oh, God, Zahawi, to raise funds for the party. Have they seen how bad he is with his own finances? Alison, if he did that, I can't help but think he would actually be raising funds for himself as well. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Mike, I mean, there are some people who just seem to think that Boris Johnson is the answer to every every problem, every issue, they just think that he's what the country needs. And I mean, it, it, but if you look back at what he did do, I mean, he was great on a slogan. He was great on a, a three word slogan, but in terms of actual delivery and taking this country forward and, and, and building trust, he was an absolute disaster. But tragically, it seems to be a lot, well, significant number of people who don't believe that. No, well, that's what happens if you give a newspaper columnist far too much responsibility. We will say stuff for 500 words yeah. and then move on to something else. Um, yeah. now, Basics of Islam, possibly not his real name, says, what happened to the investigation into Bojo misleading Parliament? Uh, so that is soon. Yeah, it is uh, March. So I think we've only got another four weeks. I think it's going to be twice a week, televised. It's going to be box office. It's going to be the best thing since Happy Valley, but with, I don't know, maybe the same level of violence. And, uh, Can we get Sarah Lecture doing the questions, please? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so twice a week and everybody will be able to see exactly, I think, how or if he did mislead Parliament. So, I mean, again, that is going to be very, very uncomfortable for Rishi Sunak. Although he's not directly involved, it just all taints the whole operation. And there's a reality that anybody who comes close to Boris Johnson as the new chairman of the BBC is discovering, he taints them. He mm. pollutes everybody around him. Yeah, including the, the cabinet secretaries giving them advice and everything else is supposed to be above yeah. uh, above uh, suspicion. But it starts saying, well, you probably ought not to talk to that bloke about your finances anymore. and doesn't seem to have gone any further with it. And that was just that. I mean, Boris Johnson's on the airwaves in the papers today, claiming that Vladimir Putin threatened to personally take him out with a missile. I don't know about you, Alison, but the minute I heard it, I thought, yeah, but did he? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the problem because there is such a lack of trust there. Yeah. I mean, Putin, Putin could well have said exactly that. I just don't believe anything Boris Johnson yeah. says. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking as a journalist. Um, anyway, thank you very much for taking us through that. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Um, very interesting. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so people can find us. Thank you for watching on YouTube and Facebook. And we will see you again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda, which, of course, will be school strike day. So I expect... Do your homework, everybody, yes. and bring some questions about the school strikes. Okay, see you then. Bye-bye.